This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over uh, Manchester United 2, Spurs 2. I'm going to change my intro thing from next week. Everyone knows the podcast that they're tuning into. I don't need to give it all. They can see you, they can see me. If you're watching live on YouTube, uh, if you can subscribe, feel free to get your comments and questions in. If you're watching the replay, you can still comment because we um, reply to the comments. If you're watching on Twitter, um, you can also comment on below the tweet because um, you can now get them onto the screen and, and enjoy the conversation with you. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, if you can subscribe and leave a positive review on the platform you're listening on, we both appreciate it very much. All all three of us were Dave-O as well. Dave not with us this week. Sending our best to you, Dave. Hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be a short one this week, Paul, because only got one game to talk about, really. Uh, Manchester United 2, Spurs 2. Although there's a lot to unpack in that one. Um, Hoyland scores after a couple of minutes. Spurs equalise. Rashford scores before half-time. Spurs equalise straight after the break. Um, two goals that we've seen United concede a lot this season. One from a set play and the other one um, that just waltz through the midfield, really. Um, and quite worrying. Although they were good signs, we should start going through all the things that we did well before I, I bring us on to the, the bad things. So the first place to start well, uh, Paul, Hoyland's goal, very well taken. Uh, you know, you had a moment uh, which was a running theme throughout the afternoon, and we'll get to it, um, of Rashford overplaying it for a second. Um, I think we had that, it wasn't the only culprit, we had that, it felt like if all of our players had made a second, decision a split second earlier we might be talking about a win this morning but he didn't he deliberated with it rat oiland was able to take it up and then uh, a really good finish to make it one nil um, and there was obvious relief in there as well um first of all what did you make of the finish second of all a lot of people have been talking about this goal draw and everything i tend to look at it and say that he still scored five goals in the champions league it's not necessarily you know the premier league's not the be all and end all but by the look on Oiland's face and his reactions to scoring these goals at Old Trafford in the last few weeks, you can tell that it's um, definitely a weight off. Uh, a good finish from him, wasn't it? No, it was, I mean, it was a good finish. I mean, if you're going to strike something from the angle he is and you go for the near post, 
generally they always say go high because keepers always go a little bit more down. They seem to go backwards as well, goalkeepers. So they always say to go high and he'd done that with power as well. And any, any contact from that would have been the fact of the goalkeeper going into the net or any touch from the goalkeeper that goes over it be hitting the back of the, you know, hitting the back of the stand. To be perfectly honest, the way he struck it, it was absolutely fantastic. And I'm, and he t- he made something out of nothing really because Marcus again was had run into traffic, and the ball ends up and he clears it out of his feet. He took two touches to clear it out of his feet, which generally in that situation, you know, as a defender, you as a defender you expect to be there for that first touch out of his feet. But then he gets the second one, and then you have to say that maybe they could have defended, but the defender could have done better with that. But to take nothing away from him, he he deserves that goal for what he's put in. He hasn't given up. He hasn't given up. It's easy to give up, I could imagine, if you're not scoring goals and start sulking about it. He doesn't. He has, doesn't seem to have done that. But he enjoyed that moment of scoring. Got to remember as well. What is he? Twenty one. Yeah. You know how many goals? How many goals was Harry Kane scoring at twenty uh, yeah. at a professional level of football? People will say, "Oh, but he was alone somewhere lower, and he was scoring goals there." Well, he's twenty and he's walked into the biggest club in the world and expected to drag the biggest club in the world <laughs> over the line during a bad period of time. Yeah, you know. So, you know, at this moment in time, I'm pleased and I'm glad he's doing well. Yeah. Um... Comments to get to Patrick um, says good morning, Messrs Barton and Parker. They've been nice to me this week after giving you the Mr Parker treatment last week. Uh, he says uh, we'll get to this a little bit later on. Question: Are United a poorly conditioned and unfit team? It's as if we haven't had a pre-season. Uh, Vicky's there. She says good morning, Happy Monday. Yeah, on one of the previous pods, Vicky mentioned the uh, unfit team and the pre-season as well. So I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, continuing on the themes we're doing well though, Paul. Uh, we scored a second goal, good for Rashford, his first goal at Old Trafford all season. I mean, we are going to talk about um, his performance in general, which was pretty poor. But the goal, I think, again, Ireland does really well for it. The return pass is really good. And um, on first look, it looks like Rashford's got really lucky with the um, with the way that the balls come back to him and the way that he gets it out of his feet. But on actual fact, if you watch the replay, he does do very well. It's a very well-worked goal. And that moment in time, you're thinking that it looks like there's the the bones of something to build on. Um, like I said, we are going to get to the negative part. It's coming, but again, a well-worked goal for the second one, wasn't it? It was. I mean, he played the ball, and I mean, that was played in at some pace, by the way. It was, I mean, if he'd have controlled it and tried to do something with himself, he would have been persecuted, I think, um, Highland. But the only thing he could do was try and bounce it back to him. That's the only option he had, and it you know, if it was meant by Rashford or it was a, a late decision because he'd run into traffic again, then still it worked out well for him. And you would have hoped that that would have been something that could have been, you know, bounced off of and carried it on. And I presume that was going to happen, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, but he who has no faith was, was proved correct. Yeah, um, Russ says apologies for uh, getting it wrong. You were right to be pessimistic. This is in relation to Friday night's pod with um, Phil and Lee. Whereas I was quite pessimistic about our chances um, at the weekend. Um, the other things we got well, 
Paul, you know, Cobby played quite well. Um, he's still learning, only like a handful of games in there. And it feels like we've, because we're relying on him so much, it feels like he's been there for such a long time. Um, Garnacho, I mean, they, they seemed like something there. I thought he played well on the right hand side, but Adogi was, he's so quick. And I felt like we we weren't utilizing it that properly. I mean, if they were, you, Doggy was he's leaving his position quite often. There was space there to be um, exploited, but our problem was our players were always giving it to um, Garnacho when there was a straight foot race <laughs> between them, and he's never going to win it. But if you give him ten or fifteen yards, and he often had that ten or fifteen yards, if we'd have been clever enough to work that space, because it wasn't a very complicated scenario to open up, it, it would have been there. Um, even there, look at me, I'm talking about the positives and um, bringing them back to negatives, but it's such a disappointing game. Um, some comments here from the guys. Robbie says, it's Blue Monday today, so I hope everyone's feeling okay. Keep the heads up all. Yeah, unfortunately, this is going to be a bit of a grumpy conversation, but hope everyone who's watching is, is doing all right. Um, yeah, it can be a tough day, can't it? Russ says, felt the lack of identity. Playing style is a big concern. Spurs have four or five hours when they play the same way. Gaping all in midfield has not been addressed. Um, no control or build-up. We failed to play through midfield. Well, it gets midfield. Let's first talk about the defending at set pieces because if Paul or I had any air, we'd be tearing it out. I mean, every single set play, they looked like they were going to score from. They were so dominant. I mean, I'm, I'm not being facetious with that. I'm thinking five goals at least we could have conceded from set plays. They were so dominant. Um, I was so concerned um, when they got back to level at the break, because uh, just after the break, because there's this record that United have, uh, one of the few long-standing records we've got that are still standing, of, um, leading at half-time in a home league game and not losing, which goes back to the 80s. So think of the generations of players that have, um, being swallowed by that Paul, you're one you pr uh, defended that proud record for many years, and you know, it looked like it was going to be one surrendered yesterday. Um, with the amount of chances we were giving up, um, obviously, there are some things that you can't um, help, you know, Spurs high and the delivery of Poro, which is magnificent, by the way. But you've got to at some point be better organized in how you deal with that because every single one. Is that just like a vulnerability that United had yesterday, or is it is it something that they can do better for? Because every single set piece they look like they were going to score. I just think a lot of well, there's, I think there's two factors. The one is the main one is is having belief in what's behind you. The keeper's not dominant enough. There's been many a time, and you know when you know whenever I played, and you want to turn around your goalkeeper and tell him to shut up because you're aware, you know, and um, I think you know who I'm on about when you when you say, when I'm saying you want him to shut up, but he was good at his job. He, you know, if if he, even if he could see or believe that you'd got your man, he would still shout at you and, uh, you know, ask you those questions. Are you gold side? Are you, you know, he's there, do you know he's off? All those things and you're kind of turning around and not wanting to look at him because you're aware the ball's going to come in at some point, but you're virtually just shouting into the air, you know, shut, shut up, Pete. Um, I look at him and he's not in control. He's got no presence vocally. Um, he's not even moving his arms. Just maybe, I think Big Pete might have been doing it for himself to keep himself alive yeah. when the ball's coming in, just to be, just to be talking 
just to do that. Everyone's got their own way. They set themselves up. I see that. I don't think the players trust him in that sense that he's going to come and take a cross. You know, we've seen him come for one cross and it should have been a penalty at the start of the season. And I haven't really seen him really show any dominance within his six-yard box, let alone the penalty box. So I think, and you're looking at crosses that come in and they're always scary when they come in. And again, a few shots on target, they score two goals. It is a worry. But the other side of it, when I look at it as an outfield player and the way that all teams are defending now and the way they are defending is the reason why we're always going to have this controversy every time a ball goes in the box about a player being pulled down. You know, players, you know, you see now players, I think I've said this before, defenders now to save themselves a job, the moment that ball comes into a box, they fall to the floor. Hoping the referee's stupid enough, and there's always a chance of a referee being stupid, by the way, will go, Oh, that's a foul, and he'll give a foul to the away t- to the team that's defending. But if he doesn't give it off the first one, what will happen is the ball will get cleared, and then the player will go down and he will impersonate someone who's taken a whack in his head. Yeah. And then the referee is has to stop the game, and that stops the team then having that second phase of play to put the ball in the box. And that's what they do defensively. So what happened, what has happened is coaches, managers, whatever you call them, have decided now, rather than give the players the responsibility of marking somebody, they say, we're going to make it easy for you and take away any responsibility of you with an individual. We want you to mark space. You, yeah. mark, that, you mark that space. And I'm going to give a few players, a man marking job. And what you do, you have to stop that man running. Not mark him, stop him running. So you, that's where you're getting people blocking. Yeah. And they're, not look, they're not looking at the ball, Wayne. And you'll see this, and this player's a run around. And, and you try and mark someone with seven, eight players around you. There's a lot of kind of little, what the word, crevices that they can get into. And the moment that ball's kicked, they just do one spin and they're away from you. And you're not looking at the ball. So you're trying to find him. The ball might hit you on the back of the head, hit your arm because you're running. And then someone scores a goal. Whose fault is it? And no one knows there are any Pacific jobs. So if if I was playing today, I would say, I did a QPR. We always used to go up. But if I was at United, I would say, boss, send me up because someone's going to mark me. No one's really going to mark me. They're going to be marking space. I would say if I can get a run and a jump, I would beat most people at that given time with a yeah. run and jump. That was one of my – I could do that. Yeah. Off the spot, but running the jump, I would go up against anybody. And that's what it's about now. And so when the ball – no one has got a responsibility to, to an individual. That that ball's come in, and I'm trying to think it went just over Juan Pesaka, directly behind Juan Pesaka, who's yeah. a goal scorer. Richardson. Sorry, yeah, it was just, it was just, I think he was just behind him and there was no one in front of him. So I can't work out. And where that ball was, could I ask a question? Why didn't the keeper hit him and his head away? Yeah. Why didn't, wh- where was the, where was it where that ball came in from and the height that was on that ball? So there's no responsibility given to players now to mark people in the box. And 
and it, it is a worry. So what you do is you get your best headers headers of the ball up against their two strongest people who you foresee, who the coaches sees, the people where they're aiming for. Where that ball's going to be hit first of all, you want your main people there. So you would want you would want your Steve Bruce to go there and attack that first ball. You'd always want it. And then you would have Pally around as well because they'd have someone else there, the next one down, and you move on, so on and so on, and do it that way. But they're not doing that anymore. And all teams are the same. It's just that United are the weakest and have got no belief on the man who's on the goal line. Yeah. But yeah, there's that. And also, you said something earlier, which is so right, about tactical... Not tactical. Game smarts, really. Like... You see certain teams like and Guardiola. I don't really like him, um, and I can be very critical of his coaching style. But one thing that he's been very effective at um, it's like Mourinho. I, you know, like Mourinho said, dark arts of the game or something like that. Well, Mourinho mm-hmm. was very good at it, and and Guardiola is probably the best I've ever seen it of instructing players to facilitate. Um, game stoppages in certain areas, um, in in critical areas of the game, not um, of the pitch. Sorry, when when there's flow of movement and things like that, you know, everyone knows about Yaya Toure or Fernandinho. How good they were the tactical fouls and everything like that. But they, it's not just one player. They're systematic. They're very good at doing that. And they, um, yeah, we've got some comments that are agreeing with this. I'll, I'll come to it in a moment. But you see it all around the pitch with City's players and, and previously with Barcelona's players, um, that you would get players who understand rhythm of play and the passage of play, and they break it up to make it impossible for opponents to um, to fairly break on them and, and, and to navigate situations because they're, because they're operating those systems so well. What United do is the players think that they're doing the same thing, but they just fall down in any given situation. And it's not helping the team. They think that they're appealing for decisions, but it's often Bruno, but we've seen Garnacho doing it quite a lot. He did it yesterday. They drop to the ground. They think that they're going to get the decision. The game goes on for 20 seconds or so. And what happens is that player is lost because we'll often be in a decent position and they'll be appealing for a foul or something. And that player's lost from the build-up when we need him. And we see that way too often. And like they think, I think that what they think they're doing is that they're appealing for the next decision so that the next decision will go in our favour. But the problem with that is the video's there to tell you if it's right or wrong, if it's a major decision. And I know, yeah, all right, there's the there's a secondary argument then of whether or not the referee's getting it right or wrong. But you've got a better chance of them getting it right or wrong if you're at least playing fair. I mean, the people will point to the Bruno um, penalty at Wigan as a case in point to, to the contrary but it's not about that, it's about all the little individual passages of play that don't get pulled back because they're too far gone like Garnacho dropping down to the ground and what I'm, I'm trying to say in, this in comparison to City and I know it's a, it's a chasm it's not really a comparison, is that our players don't seem to have the smart in-game management and you can take away, maybe this is something to, to take away with the manager that he can apply this as well to say, be more smart in the way that you're going down or way that you're making fouls and everything like that because we we a lot of players are doing it selfishly thinking. Um, I'm going to get to another point on refereeing decisions, but I just want to come through all these uh, comments that we're getting. Uh, Patrick, 
to set players apart aside from the poor defending. The offensive players are terrible. Why are we in the first man with corners? Generational goes back to Phil Jones taking corners. I thought Ramsey was hired as a set piece specialist. Wambasaka looked uncomfortable left back. Unsure why he didn't have Dallow left back. All the defense was flipped in the first half. Um, I think Evans played on the wrong side as well. It's confusing to me, but but I will say, first of all, Wambasaka made the best tackle I've seen of a left back for United for maybe five years. A really good crunching tackle, and then a few minutes before that, he made another good one that he got booked for which was strange for me. Um, Box says, what's happening with the basics in coaching and football? Seems we spend more time looking at pivots, red zones, XGs, rather than defending and attacking. Yep, exactly. Um, talk on tactical fouls. Box says, Fernando was the king and now Rodri has taken over. City do it so often, refs don't really pick up on it anymore. Exactly. Like You can see it as a, a casual operator of, or observer of the, of the game, but referees are blind to it now. Um, Johnny says... Beautiful game, turned into gamesmanship, awful. Every time I watch United at the end of the game, I wonder why I bothered. We still put ourselves to it, don't be silly. Um, Box says, um, Michelle is when our players stay down for the other ten, another 10 seconds, all he does is aid the opposition. It's, it was frustrating to see that yesterday a couple of times. Bruno is obviously the main culprit. She's like, just get up, get on with it. I mean, he's a player who goes down like he's shot every, every two games, and I don't think he's missed a game with injury for us. Um... Talking about soft decisions and, and the game manipulation, Paul, the Garnacho penalty decision is um, split opinion. Um, the player's got his arms around him. That can't be debated. In real time, it doesn't look strong enough for him to go down. But I'm talking about in real time when I looked at it, I'm like, that's not a penalty. And then when you watch the replay and you see the arms around him, you go, well, I've seen him given. Right? That's That's the game now. So where where were you on that one? What what do you make of of the? Um... I I mean, I mean this is, we know this isn't a fact, but for me, I just think it's a little bit of common sense comes into it. What is a foul outside the box? Must be a foul inside the box to for, to deem it a penalty. So it has to be a penalty because everyone knows if you did that outside of the box, the way the referees are, that's a foul. Because yeah. at the moment, the referees can't make their mind up if the game's going to be physical or not. Anytime you make a good tackle, as we've seen, I'm trying to think, I think Wan-Bissaka made a, I think Wan-Bissaka got booked, didn't he? Yeah. I think he made a tackle, which is a good tackle. But the player will scream, will hold any part of the body that hasn't had any contact with the other, with a person part of the body and just pull a face, arch their back, scream, and they get fouls. But you have to give that as a penalty. But I, I wouldn't want that to be given a penalty because we're open up to the game to suddenly, at some point, maybe beyond my lifetime, becoming, have, well, the game's going to have adverts every time the, whist, the whistle's blown. That's yeah. where it's going because there's going to be a foul every 10 seconds because it's going to become a non-contact game. Yeah, that's, the, that's what it's leading to. It's becoming that way. It is... Um, Totally unenjoyable now, and I, you know, I do games. I do an average at about seven, eight games a month, um, and I'd rather go to a non-Premier League game. To be perfectly honest, when I get a Championship game, I was at Millwall last week, and I enjoyed it. Millwall v Leicester in the FA Cup, it was great. I saw a block tackle, and I saw two people get up after and block tackle again, and the referee never even threatened to put the ball in. Put sorry, put the whistle in his mouth. 
didn't even didn't he just let it go and the two players just got up bang bang yeah but you do a block tackle now and the and the two players will dangle their legs so lucky enough they're not going to do ligaments because you never dangle the leg in a challenge speak to brian robson about that you dangle a leg and you're not you're not a friend of these um and now they do that and they just and the referee will come across and someone some some commentator for sky some and go oh that's a dangerous challenge and the co-commentator will join in and say well yeah i think you're right and it's it's getting tedious now football and i'm going to say this football because i watch football is played by men who i want to be men yeah. that's what i want and that's what i'm looking for and that's got nothing to do with women's football because i don't watch women's football i watch men's football so i can say that i want the men to be men I don't want them to see back and get the next foul that goes on at this moment in time. So Ganacho's, it was a penalty, but the referees get a different mindset when it goes in the box. If you put your arm around something or anything, they don't really want to give that as a foul in the box. They will outside the box, as you know, yeah. on quite a few occasions. But anything in the box, but if you was to brush against someone's boot, then again, it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You'll get the co-commentator go, well, there was contact, which is getting a bit tedious now. And you want to say to them, we know there's contact because it's football. It's not netball, it's football where people brush together. So the, the way that played, let's put this way, Bruno, when Bruno mostly goes out of his missus and he pops he pops into the supermarket and goes to Waitrose in Audley Edge, and I, I mean, I don't know where he lives, he goes to Waitrose in Audley Edge, someone will brush past him with a trolley. He will not fall over. You're not going to fall over. It's impossible. To fall over unless I, unless someone's running at him at eight miles an hour with a trolley and hits him, then he can go over. And everything you see will be real. There'll be no faking of the face expressions of the body movement. He will go straight down rather than having his curvitations in his body when he goes over. So I'm not understanding it because you can make contact with people in the box, and it isn't a penalty. It's as simple as that. It's slightly mistimed. But all yeah. this, oh, it's clever. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want it to be like seen as part of the game to earn the right to get a penalty by cheating a fellow pro yeah. and saying that's okay. Because when that person, you end up playing with him, you will still look at him and you go, you're a cheat. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I I don't want hear people saying, oh well, that's clever, because they're scared to go and say the real thing. Come out and say it. You can call someone a cheat. If you think they're a cheating, and it's up to them to prove you wrong, it's yeah. a, it's as simple as that. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> good comments here. Um, Box says, since the Rashford Bruno offside goal versus City this time last, it was like a year yesterday, wasn't it? The massive media fuss we've, we've got crumbs in regards to penalty and VAR decisions. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not so much the penalty decisions, but it's the VAR thing that um, really grates me because there's a, a, a system in place to overturn stuff like this. And what we've seen, and it's not just United. United, I've seen a number of these where people are disagreeing on those kind of decisions, which shouldn't, they should be there to eradicate human error. And instead, we've seen a lot of human error in that. Um, Johnny says um, he agrees with you, Paul. The game nowadays is so weak, it should be a physical contest. Nowadays, it is. You can't tackle. I want to say that Paul did say it was a penalty. So even though he, he disagrees with how it should be a penalty, but in today's game, it should be. Um, he said, Fox also says it's all about consistency nowadays. That's where the frustration is. Knowing Bruno, I can't imagine him having a row in the local supermarket about something. Yeah, um, I'd like to see it. I, I was trying to picture it when Paul was talking about it, um, that, that Waitrose, um, you know, like him going down and how long he'd, um, if there, if someone, um, one of the store staff would come up and give him a penalty for it. Um, I don't know. Um, you know. <sighs> But United, it could, were... be a, it could be a mop up in aisle nine. <laughs> um, yeah, penalty in aisle nine. Um, <laughs> checking, checking VAR. Um, oh my god, as the as the supermarket with the, the VAR decisions. It's uh, you know, the second half yesterday was really, really poor. Um, you had this feeling that you know, United, like, let's be fair, Spurs deserve. Definitely a point, probably all three. Um, that was obvious. Uh, first 10 minutes, it looked like it was going to go um, back and forth. But after 20 minutes, it looked like Spurs were really, they had a groove, they were moving, there was a flow there. They looked like what they knew what they were doing. United were, they looked like what they were. They were 11 players with many players in different positions, some of them playing for each other, uh, for themselves, and none of them playing for each other. You had maybe two or three players playing for each other with selflessness. I'm talking about Menu in, in that regard. And then other players like Ericsson, who, who is naturally a selfless player, but can't operate in that, especially now that his, his legs are mostly gone. It's very difficult to play in a system like that when, when there are a number of so many selfish players around and I'm not, not being too critical about that that's but it's borne out by the facts of what we've seen over the last few years and I do feel like you know like I was saying earlier we were at that one second one second too long if you if you are in a mind to cause yourself a mischief go back and watch the first half yesterday um and watch and watch for how many moves go on that second longer because I was getting anxious watching it because I was like you could see when the player was in a good position they'd take a little bit too long and Spurs weren't I mean they weren't clinical enough in the way they were finishing but everything else they were doing was right and if they were getting the final decision right or the final execution right we would have been in a lot of trouble and I'm talking several goals a lot of trouble that's how, how narrow the margins were and how fortunate we were really to come away with a 2-2 draw and I hope that I mean, the, the United account tweeted um, last night, you know, the support deserved better. I don't want to talk about the support too much, but it was pretty poor yesterday. I've got to say, there's a lot of people saying that. I wasn't there, wasn't so I'm not criticizing needlessly, but a lot of people are saying that. Anyway, 
rambling long point, but I want to get on to talking about midfield, Paul, because really, you know, like it looks like all the pieces will look like we're still trying to figure it out, but the pl- answers at least are becoming more obvious. We know that Manu should be starting. We know that Casemiro, when he's back, should be alongside him. And we sh- we know that Fernandez is going to operate in there. So hopefully when Manu and Casemiro are side by side, there's a more solid base for um, Bruno to do what he does. And there's more solid base for Menu or Casemiro to abandon position now and again because they can rely on the other to have the positional discipline to operate a midfield. What is frustrating to some of us is that we can see these answers, but now it seems like the manager doesn't seem to understand what some of the answers are. Casemiro's on the bench for the first time in a long time, and fair enough, he might not have been fit to play yesterday, but with 35 minutes to go, it didn't look like McTominay was the answer to any question that was being asked on the pitch. And yet the manager brings him on. And I think in that case, when you get what you expect, which is he didn't do anything apart from when he was there for that moment right at the end when he sh- I can imagine Casemiro, we've seen him score headers in that position before. And he did it. And like he's not there. And McTominay is not scoring the header. I don't want to talk about McTominay too much, Paul. I want to talk about the decision to bring him on. That's the, These are the points where you start to ask. I mean, there was put in the comments earlier that, you know, questions to be asked to the manager. And this is one of the ones, isn't it, right? This is the time when you look at it and you say, all right, McTominay's had a decent season by his standards in terms of his contributions and goals. But we know what he can and can't do in terms of being a player. And as soon as we brought him on, it was, it was like we were playing with 10, 10 men. He wasn't bringing anything to the side. What we lost with Ericsson, not having the stamina, we didn't gain through McTominay. So it begs the question, what is the manager seeing there that he thinks is going to get something from the game? I think he's just he's seeing energy. That's what he's seeing. It's just someone who just might be able to run in the box and, and nick a goal. It's, it seems like hope to me when, when I see Scott McTominay playing or coming on a sub, it, it just isn't going to happen anymore. It's it's going back. It's going back in time again. You know that's that's the problem, and and a lot of fans know that because they know, you know, they know the bad times. They've been feeling the bad times, and they're still seeing a team with Scott McTominay still coming on when he does come on to chase to chase a game, which yeah. which isn't going to be right. And they'd rather have seen Casemiro come on just to know that he's got he's getting his engine turned over. They'd rather have seen Casemiro come on before Anthony. I think that was the moment, and he and even I could see that watching watching on the TV. I suddenly saw Anthony come on. You could see people going. You yeah. could see people going. They they just you know they just they didn't know what was going to happen next. So I really, you know, normally Wayne, I could sit here and I'm and I'll be trying, I'll not trying my best, I'll be saying it because I believed in it, what the reasons why um, Ten Hag should be manager of Manchester United. And the only reason I can't say anything to go um, to go against him in this moment, because I can't think of anything that's going to change if they were to get rid of him. Yeah. That's the thing, nothing's going to change because you're still stuck with... You're still stuck with the, with the same people, and there's not a lot that can be can be done that way. So he knows them better than anybody because he's got some in, and you've got to hope that with Martinez 
coming coming on, that he would slot into that left hand side. Johnny Evans can go and get what he needs. He can get a, he can get a bit of a rest. Varane can go on the right. And at the moment, I think Varane and Johnny Evans, Johnny Evans have done a great job. I think they've defended really well over the last couple of games. They're the ones, even when they've had the ball, when they've been maybe been maybe the best two with the ball at their feet. They've been the, maybe the most productive from where they are. You can see what they're look, They're trying to do something. They haven't got the capability, but you can see them getting frustrated because they're not seeing a lot in front of them. All they see is people who dribble, lose it, walk. Yeah. You know, that's 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 the new code of conduct, isn't it, at Manchester United at the moment? Dribble, lose it, walk. That's nice. what they And then, you know, and don't worry about the rest of other people having to chase it for you. So I really don't, I really look at it, get those two back. People then might believe there might be a bit more cohesion with what's going on with Casemiro in there, playing with a with a Mainu in there. The, the biggest stumbling block for me and which at the moment there's people out there who want to shoot you down in flames all the time because they will throw stats, is Fernandes. Yeah. The Liverpool game was the most disciplined Manchester United performance I've seen for a long, long time. Yeah. Someone like... call it neg someone to call it negative. I still say they worked to the best they they worked it well to the best of their ability. If that game had opened up, there was only one winner. Up against which I still think is not a great creative Liverpool side of this this season. It's not great, it's very mid it's about midfield and it's just been solid and hoping that Salah can do something. That's the way they're playing at the moment. He's hoping that Salah's going to win them a game. So it's a testing time for him at the moment without Salah playing. Yeah. So I look at them, that was absolutely brilliant. And the, the, the main, the catalyst of that was he, Bruno was suspended. And I think if you've got a Bruno and a Tom, Tomina on the pitch, you've got two players with no discipline when you haven't got the ball. And everyone will start pointing out, but Bruno's made these, made all these passes, you know, made these passes. He's the only one who shows it when he, when he, you know, that he wants to score. He's trying to make goals, but at what expense? He's running everywhere, in his, and it makes his starting position for the next phase of play when United haven't got the ball wrong, because he's not staying. He's not staying where he is. But if he's one of those players, and you could rely, and you think to yourself. Everything he's doing, he's trying to be positive. He's he's there with the team, and a bit like sometimes when you had an Eric, and things weren't going for Eric, and Eric would lose his head, and we would know it. But we still knew how Eric was. We knew where he's going to be. We knew we'd go and find him. I don't think you can do that with Bruno because yeah. of the way he conducts himself, um, and he he can go. He go. He disappears from a game. Eric never disappeared from the game. There was many games we wanted Eric to disappear because we didn't want to be down to 10 men. But Bruno disappears from games, offensively and defensively sometimes. And when that's when you look for your big, big players. And, and he's not that kind of player. He's not a big game player. That's the thing. That's how I look at it, said to, said to me by my manager at Manchester United. He talked about the big, the big game players, the players the ones that you spend your money on, the one that you count on, that will always, when a big game, when when it's needed, they come out. And Bruno's not one of them. And we saw it then. There was a team at Anfield, a really good Manchester United team. Yeah. And, and, and you could see the players were relaxed, the way they played. They were relaxed. There wasn't 
I don't know, there wasn't that look. You, you know, it wasn't cold. Let's hang in there. They weren't, they weren't getting anxious. They was in control of it, of what they were doing. Yes, there was that little bit of edge. There was always an edge at Anfield. And you think yourself, knowing that if you go behind, how are you going to get back in the game? Which the problem would have been to get back because they didn't really threaten enough. They had the best chances in that game, but never threatened on a regular basis because of the way the system worked, had to work. So, so I think Bruno is a, is a liability in a way, is a liability as much as what he makes. If you don't get the win, you say to yourself, but there's a reason behind it because they're being overrun in midfield. Does he help Mainu in midfield? No. Who helps Mainu in midfield? Himself, yeah, yeah. His, his natural his natural ability, his natural ability. So you think if he had someone just helping him, Wayne, someone to guide him, someone who he looks at and he can follow. You yeah. know, I look at it again. I look at Paul Wentz. Paul Wentz was a good player when he came to Manchester United and thought highly of around here, from you know in the areas where he's from, being yeah. around West Ham and that. But he become a better player when he played with Brian Robson. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's, he want, he, he's always had a mouth in him, Incy. It was the way he brought up his... But Incy, the one thing about him, he would take responsibility and he would do it. And he would love taking responsibility because he'd want to tell you that he's taking responsibility. Yeah. That he was doing your job. But you accepted that because what you was getting from him. I don't think Bruno's got that makeup. Bruno is nowhere near a points. Not in a million years. Paul Wentz is by far a better player. Doesn't get a lot of credit, Paul. He hasn't helped himself, but he was by far a better player than Bruno, without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. Paul Wentz would love a Mainu, just by the way he plays. It would be everything to be that structured in which Paul would love to be that player. Paul, yeah. But it's just, he, he is, the, Bruno is the problem and people will shoot me down in flames, but he does this and does that. I'm looking as a team that's a, a team that is trying to become an actual team. And they, they're not a team. Only a team in it is that when they when you name the 11 before kickoff, that's when, you, that's when they're known as a team and on a bit of paper. When it comes to playing, they're not, they're not a team. They become a clux of individuals. Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, perfect summary of what happened yesterday. A load of um, comments here. Johnny says, what's happened to Mount? 60 million and barely seen him. Yeah, uh, he's still injured on the comeback trial. I mean, it's three, two weeks until we play in the Cup and then three weeks until we play a league game. So hopefully he'll be back by then. But you don't know. He's, I'm glad that we're not talking about Hoyland this week. Um, and it's going to be conversations we're having for the rest of the season is how long do we give these players without understanding that there's going to be a bit of an issue there? Because, I, you know, I want Mount to come good, but feels Donny van der Beek, doesn't it? They feel exactly the same as that at the moment. I hope that we're not having that conversation. Uh, Patrick says, still back 10 Hag until at least the end of the season. However, the impact that Postacoglu and Emery have had in less time is a little concerning. I don't believe 10 Hag is a bad coach. Any thoughts on this? I think we, maybe we summed up some of that there, hopefully. Just, Wayne, just quickly, um, you have to look at it, where those two clubs were, what he walked into. They, he walked... Spurs coach walked in to a team that was just negative. Had a, they had bad vibes. They had two, they had two managers with massive egos who were just negative. They suddenly got a manager come in and just said, "I want everyone to smile," 
virtually yeah. using different words and they enjoy themselves that they, they was okay they're decent players good 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 people around same with aston villa they were molded in and they were stuck with a steven gerrard with no experience no man management skills the moment it went wrong he just started having with the players it's a bit like the kind of maybe the Graham Souness syndrome as the fact that he struggled to work with what he deemed as players who just kind of weren't as good as what he was. Yeah. Maybe he had that syndrome. And then we come to um, we come to um, Manchester United and it is everything, that good feel factor, the players all suddenly change and it was that good first year. Everything's going well that first good year. And then the problem is there's, there's too many bad apples. Aston Villa and Tottenham never had apples in the barrel that are fermented on the bottom and that's the problem <laughs> there's so many of them that are fermented at the bottom of that barrel that all of a sudden it just come through at the end that smell was lingering of bad apples and it just come through just prior to the league cup final it's just coming through again and now this is what this is the reason why the situation so people are using those two clubs those two managers to really dig to have a go at him to have yeah. a go, they're talking about about the players. And Manchester United have had a lot of players missing. Maybe of not to the quality of what Tottenham are missing, because Tottenham are talking about a different squad kind of thing. Villa had a good clux of players, decent. But when you talk about Tottenham, they're missing, they missed four key players yesterday, two wide players, Madison and Basuma. Yeah. And the two wide players are maybe the two of the best wide players in the league. Yeah. They're missing. Kuliszewski yeah. and Son. If yeah. those two had been playing yesterday, it would have been completely different. Yeah. It would have been completely different. So as much as anything, again, this is my side of it, is to, to back Ten Hag, is that you can't... People are finding things to keep digging, digging at him why Manchester United are failing while Tottenham have had a change of manager in Villa. It's about the personnel that he had to go and work with. And as much as he saw last season, how good it was for him, he knew that he was going to get caught out because he knew he could not trust or believe in some of the others. Yeah. He just couldn't be. It's impossible because they, they've been around for far too long. They're all in the comfort zone. They're not hungry anymore. They are still happy to be eating off that table called Manchester United. You go and ask them to go and sit on another table and you'll see those players just go bump. They will fall flat because they will not know what hits them when they make their next move, when they have to make their next move, when they're forced to make their next move. And that's what's got, got to happen with this new bloke coming in. I don't think it will. I don't think it will because it's dead money. But you've got to get them out and start again. Start thin and then everyone will be hungry. Want to give you a standing ovation for that? That's <laughs> fantastic. Um, great um, comments. Uh, agreeing with you there. Um, first of all, Johnny is talking about the rotten apples. I think a great analogy, Paul. Um, Patrick says, dribble, lose it, walk, sums it up perfectly. It's what gets coaches to sack. Um, it's difficult to defend the current situation. Challenging sacking the manager now and bringing in an interim could be a repeat of the Ragnick season. Um, 18 months is still relatively short to undo years of decline. I'll repeat what I've said for two years. We will not win prizes, big prizes with Bruno and Rashford in the starting 11. Can't, don't deliver consistently in big matches and aren't disciplined enough to keep the team shape. We, we've been saying that as well. I don't disagree with you, Patrick. I'm sure that you have. I mean, you have been on, on this um, podcast for sure. Um, he says, great points, Paul, about the comparison versus Villa and Spurs dressing rooms. 
point I made earlier in the season is about the composite composition of your A's, B's, C's, and D's players. Obviously, the A players being the manager once, B being the second option, C being the ones that you call on in emergency, and D being the ones that you want to get rid of immediately. The problem is when you're a manager and you're trying to move on players, B's and C's are the ones that other clubs want and they're the ones that were taken. So you're left with the A's and D's like United have been. And the D's are the ones who are rotting, stinking the barrel out. Um, there's just a few too many of those at the moment. Um, I think that's it for us this week, guys. Um, I was going to talk about Sancho, but I think maybe give it a little bit of time to sort of see what happens at Dortmund before I do that. Um, I think we both agree that it's the right move for him to go. Um, but we'll see how it operates in terms of what it helps United do in the window, if anything. And we don't know. We're playing in the FA Cup yet, Newport or Eastley. Um, but obviously, we like to say good things about both of those clubs and hope that um, it's just a shame that both of them can't go through to experience the the, the game against United. Um, that Paul's been involved in non-league setups um, prior that post his United career, and I know he will know just how big it will be an occasion, particularly for Eastleigh, if they were able to, to get something like that. But we'll see. We'll see. It might not be there. It might be Newport. But we'll be back next week. Uh, no, in a fortnight's time, by which time I'm right on it with the um, calendar that it'll be after that game. So we'll be talking about that game and previewing the next league game and talking about the, the January transfer window and whatever happens with United. In that time, doesn't look like there'll be any incomings, uh, but we'll be back to talk about it anyway. Anyway, thanks everyone for joining in the conversation this week. Really appreciate it. If you've been watching live on YouTube, if you can like and subscribe, share the video on your socials as well, would really appreciate that. If you've been watching, if you've been listening on the audio podcast, if you can like and subscribe on the platform you're listening on, and also um, give a review as well, we'd really appreciate that. Um, stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.